Welcome to another episode of Epic Albums. I'm Greg Potter. I'm Mike Java. How you doing, Mike? I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm yes. doing good today, Greg. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and let's get into it. Let's do it. So today we are uh, listening to an album from the 1980s, mm-hmm. and very uh, apt in that its title is uh, fitting right into the decade. It does. We're going to talk about 1984 from Van Halen today. So, Mike... Tell me what you know about 1984 by Van Halen. Absolutely. So this is their sixth studio album. It was released on January 9th, 1984. Um, and this was the last album to feature their legendary frontman, lead singer David Lee Roth, because there's a lot of you know in-house issues going on between the band. Yes, yes. Uh, which we will talk about with this legendary band, this album. Uh, this was the last time he was featured with Van Halen until tw- 2012, 2012, when he came back for A Different Kind of Truth. Um, and to be honest with you, I think since then, I don't think Van Halen was the same without him. Yes. Fun fact, I saw Van Halen on the tour for that Different Kind of Truth album in really? 2013 or something like that. That's great. Um, so it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see them, because obviously Eddie is no longer with us. But yeah. uh, it was fun to see David Lee Roth and Cool and the Gang opened. <laughs> really? What wow, what a that. show that is. That's, cool and the Gang yeah. and Van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> It was pretty good. That's great. But, so, um, yeah, so like we talked about, obviously, incredible commercial success. This album it was number two on the Billboard Hot 100 albums behind, oh, I don't know, Michael Jackson's album, Thriller. Yeah. So I think they're okay with being behind that, one of the most iconic albums of all yeah. time. And it was ranked, I saw this, uh, Rolling Stone ranked it 81 out of 100 on the greatest albums of the 1980s, which is, I think, ridiculous. It that, sounds a little low on the... Yeah, that's... On a, albums of all time, I would expect it maybe to be in the, the hundreds somewhere, but yeah, but on the albums of the 80s, the 81 seems a little bit low. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that permanently low. What is interesting about that time period in the mid-80s, 1984, 1985, um, 83, 84, 85, it, uh, I think we, looking back in history, it's interesting to look at that. There were so many huge blockbuster albums from yes. that time period. And if you look at the Billboard chart of album charts, how many records hit number one, usually in like a given year, it's like, you know, 15 records might yeah. hit number one or something like that. In 1983, 84, 85, there was like three or four albums for the whole year. Like Thriller was number one forever. Synchronicity by The Police was number one forever. Purple Rain by Prince yeah. was number one forever. I mean. And... um Born in the USA, yes, Springsteen. Of course. Album. So there wasn't a lot of room there. Those albums were just at the top of the charts for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's kind of cool that this Van Halen album was one of the ones that broke through and finally, finally it felt like forever, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> finally yeah, it got through. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So um, we'll talk more about the Sammy Hagar versus mm. David Lee Roth thing. Yeah. Um, but this, as you mentioned, was the last album with uh, David Lee Roth. I, I just personally feel like he's one of a kind. No, like he's quintessential Van Halen. When you think of Van Halen, David Lee Roth is who you think of, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah, I, I, I guess the argument there would be is that the band is called Van Halen, and the Van Halen brothers I, are really no, the absolutely. core of the band. I agree. And Eddie Van Halen was, you know... Like we talked about before, probably... One of the great uh, guitarists of all time. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I'm a guitar 100%. player. And I would not consider Eddie Van Halen like one of my favorite guitar players, per se, but you cannot deny like the stuff what that he, he did, did the innovation that he did. And absolutely. All that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, some cool things. But uh, it's interesting because as I was listening to the album, and we'll talk more about this as we go through, but um, Eddie, I really think, is the engine that runs this album. He was the one who was kind of like writing a lot of the music mm-hmm. and 
David Lee Roth brings the personality, yeah. <laughs> but if it wasn't for the melody and the music and the, and the guitar work that mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Van Halen's doing on this, the album wouldn't be what no, it is. I agree. And during this time, actually, in 1983, Eddie opened up his own recording studio, 5150, right. based in California, the California Law Code. Um, and you could felt he really had his grasp on this album. He said he wanted to be more part of the production. He wanted to have more control of what it went into this album, and you felt it that... It, and you can't, like, what do you think of Van Halen? Obviously, we talk about David Lee Roth. But Eddie Van Halen was the driving force. He was the one that made them who they are, without yep. a doubt. And as we start to listen to some other songs on this album, uh, we can't not talk about the influence of synthesizers. So when That's Eddie was, was gonna, yes. yeah, when he was opening up his studio and working on that, he got really interested in into playing with synthesizers mm-hmm. and kind of exploring the sounds that he could create. And obviously, some of the tracks on this album stand apart from earlier Van Halen and that they have that synth kind of 80s feel to it. I'm sure there are some purist fans out there who will say, no, as soon as the yeah, synthesizer yeah, was no, introduced, no, it all went downhill, right? Yeah, but no, I tend to disagree with that. I absolutely agree. And uh, it was funny, a, a music critic said the reason why 1984, this album did so well is because Eddie Van Halen found out what yes. a synthesizer was. Yes, I read that. I you read saw that? that. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad you saw that too, because it's so true though, because yeah. obviously we'll talk about their most commercially well-known song, Jump. I mean, the synth, I mean... Just, yeah, it drives that. That's yeah. the, the hook of the song yes. is the synth. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, and then one other interesting thing to note, uh, when you start to get into the, the... We were talking a little bit about this before we came on, about the uh, um, relationships within Van Halen. It was kind of a crazy situation. The Van Halen brothers were really young when they started, and by the time they were famous, it was just kind of a, a big mess of, it was, yeah. you know, uh, uh, excess and drugs and everything yeah, else. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then in a lot of infighting once they all had had money. And there are certainly uh, some things you'll read about David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen being at odds about the direction the band should be going in, mm-hmm. which I find funny. There was some uh, interviews I read where David Lee Roth was saying that he really wasn't a fan of Jump and the synthesizer kind of bass music was not the direction that they should be going. And he wanted to stick with the kind of the earlier party rock kind of thing. Yeah. But then when you listen to some of what Eddie Van Halen, or what David Lee Roth did after he left Van Halen, it's and just like, so oh, like cabaret God, kind yeah, of cheese ball. Brutal. I like it. I mean, I like some of that stuff he did. That EP that has California Girls and Just a Gigolo on it. Yeah. His versions of those are fun, but I, I don't understand yeah. where he was coming off jumping out of Van Halen to doing that when he was complaining about the synthesizers it's, and jump. Right. I mean, it, <laughs> that's the part that made me laugh. And I read the same thing, like how he was not loving where the, the direction of the band then he you hear this stuff he did by himself and you're like what the yeah. hell i think David? it probably had more to do with him wanting to be a star on his own yeah that's it, so. that's yeah makes sense yeah it does yeah. so uh why don't we jump in let's listen to some music here uh from this epic album 1984 and uh what we do here is uh mike and i pick our top three songs and a little controversy here already early All right, on. We, we finally have some differences. We do. Our, our musical tastes are so similar that we end yes. up with the same yeah, top three and they, songs. And there's no, there's no back and forth. It's just let's listen. Yeah. But we have a little, a little back and forth. A little difference. A today. little something. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's go with your number three song. So my number three song from this album is "Hot for Teacher." Um, I think it's just quintessential Van Halen, a fun, you know, rock song that everybody loves. It has. Alex's kick-ass, you know, 30-second dr- drum solo in the beginning yep, with a yep. double bass drum, which I didn't know that was pop. I, I don't, I don't know. We both been listening to music. I've never heard a 30-second drum solo to start a song. It's rare you hear that. Usually it's not at the beginning of a song. Yeah. And it, honestly, it feels right because this song is so weird and out there that it just makes sense. 
Yeah. But another thing I love about this song is not even the song, the music video, the iconic yes, music yes. video that came with it, where That's there were sumo fantastic. wrestlers and yeah, yeah. It, it, if you get a chance, look Hot for Teacher music video. It was directed by David Lee Roth, which explains everything, why it's as wacky yeah. as it is. Every time I think um, of that video, there's some great footage of Eddie Van Halen walking along the desks in the classroom, yes. like uh, jamming on the yeah, lead in I the mean, middle of this. It's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and they have him like in an insane asylum. It, it's The music yeah. video is so weird and bizarre, but this song is bizarre, but I love it so much because it, it just has everything you, you love about Van Halen. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, no, it's a great song, and... As it's, with just about every song on this whole album, um, some of the other albums we've listened to have some interesting and deep lyrical content to not, explore. This not, one does not. I got to say, I, <laughs> looking at the lyrics of this album, it, they are as simple as it gets. Yes. It, it, they did not try to be profound. No. Let's just say that. It, they, pretty much everything on this album is sexual innuendo. That's yes, all we're talking about A lot about of here. suggestive themes. Yes. It is, yeah. And this song is uh, no different. I think of all the education that I Yeah. <laughs> now, when I listened to that, oh, we were talking oh, a little God. bit about the um, Van Hagar versus Van Halen mm -hmm. kind of thing, and um, I cannot picture Sammy Hagar doing that. If he was doing that song, it would just be lame. It would be terrible. Dave it has that be... like personality thing when he's uh, saying all the stuff in between, and yeah, um, his little interlude in Panama is the same thing. I mean, that is yeah. it's just all and that's. Yeah, yeah, quintessential. Absolutely. And yeah. we were talking about the Van Hagar versus Van Halen, well, yeah, that debate on the way over here. And this is what we both came, I think we both came to this understanding, this agreement that Sammy Hagar technically was a, obviously a better singer. He was a consummate yes. professional. Vocally, he was a yep. great vocalist. He had better range. Singer. Yeah, absolutely. More control, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. He was a great vocalist and a great singer. His personality to me is kind of a dud, though. I yes, mean, David Lee Roth has larger personality than upon personality. I mean, he took on a, who calls himself Diamond Dave. Right. I mean, he took on this persona <laughs> that he was this party animal, this larger than life. But that's what made them who they were. Yep. And I don't think you could tell the story of rock without Van Halen and David Lee Roth in it. I mean, he was just he was the first front. I mean, I would outside of possibly Freddie Mercury. In terms of theatrics and the way he performed live, yep, yep. it was unlike anything that people see. Yeah, yeah, you know? he was unique for sure. Uh, we were talking a little bit as we were listening to Hot for Teacher. There's a as I listened to 1984, and this is probably dates back to previous Van Halen albums that Eddie definitely had a oh, specific yeah. pattern of songwriting where he had like guitar intro, verse, chorus, uh, another Eddie's verse, solo. another chorus, and then it would go into Eddie's solo and the thing that's kind of cool about it is that the um, you know chords and the musical structure changes while mm -hmm. he's noodling around and going nuts on his guitar solos, yeah. um, which I like. He adds something a little different rather than just keeping it in a typical like blues pattern where he might solo over the same thing that they've already played. Um, and they do a nice job of coming up with unique parts. Um, and the other thing we were talking a little bit about, that um, Dave is not like... A, uh, as well uh, no. skilled vocalist as Sammy and Hagar. But and I think Van Halen, Van Halen fans would tell you that too. Yeah, they would agree. It, yeah. He makes the most of it, but his singing on most of these songs is pretty straight. Like he doesn't even, he play, he sings in a blues kind of scale and doesn't really move between too many notes. No. 
the melody in these songs comes from Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing. I mean, Absolutely. he has such killer riffs yeah. that that's what's memorable about the song, and then Dave just kind of adds color to it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to jump into my number three favorite song on this album, which is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The guitar lick on this song, to me, is one of the greatest Eddie ever played. It's just so cool, and it gives the melody to it. It's another song... Um, that's just completely about sexual innuendo. Yep, yep. Um, uh, it's just about, uh, you know, drop dead looking, legs. Looking at the opposite sex. Is yep, that's all, that's this song all it is. is. About. They yep. kept it simple. They um, let you know. Yep. Yeah, the song Drop Dead Legs on 1984. I just uh, love the guitar playing on this and the, the whole vibe. And uh, it's a fun track. So let's do this. It's a good one. Dead legs. Yeah. That is a killer jam at the end, too. I love the way they just kind of go. And there's a lot of that on this album, too, where the band kind of, the way Eddie was writing, he would just go into another part and they just sort of jam out on this other interlude. It would just turn into a, a, a totally different song, you felt like. Yeah. 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 And uh, can't also go without mentioning how good Alex Van Halen is as a drummer. I, I, we were, I was going to talk to you about that. Incredibly great drummer. Yeah. I mean, it's tough yeah. to get. I mean, we got obviously. Eddie and David Lee Roth, like they're obviously going to take a lot of the, the the fame and the spotlight. But David Lee Roth and obviously Michael Anthony, two incredible musicians as well in their own right. Yeah, definitely yep. guys. That yeah. and Michael Anthony, there's a whole bunch of stories we probably don't need to get into about how he got the shaft from the band big time. Yeah, he did, which is a shame because yeah, they they talked about him. he was a great guy, was what you know very dedicated, worked extremely hard and. You know, Eddie, him and Eddie kind of had their differences. They cut him out of the songwriting credits on some things, and yeah, it was a bad scene. Yeah, it was, it's upsetting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's jump in. I think from this point forward, our favorite songs align. We're, as they we're in agreement. Yes. We're in agreement, um, as usual. And uh, so the next one we're going to listen to, uh, I know we both agree on this. Um, this song, again, there are some songs on 1984 that have like the keyboards and the synth and are a little bit more. Um, sort of produced mm-hmm. and then there are other songs on this album like Drop Dead Legs that we just listened to and uh, Hot for Teacher in a way that's pretty stripped down it's just like guitar based drums and then maybe yeah. Eddie overdubbed another guitar but uh, some of the songs on here just feel like the band playing uh, yeah live for like just a live session yeah and yeah. Uh, this next song we're going to listen to obviously a big hit this made it mm-hmm. into the top 20 on Billboard and was a huge yeah. well known Van Halen song yeah, uh, Panama. We're gonna listen to. Yeah, so a little little backstory about this song is that uh, David Lee Roth at the time when he was writing songs, a lot of it was about girls and you know partying and fast cars. And reporters said, "Why you know you only write songs about partying and girls and fast cars?" And David wrote the song. He goes, "Cause I wanted to complete the trifecta. I never wrote a song about a fast car. A way to stick it to the reporter, like, no, I haven't wrote a song about a fast car, and this is gonna be my song about a fast car in Panama." And it's not about the country, a lot of common misconceptions. It's right. not. It's about a car that um, David saw, David Lee the Ross saw in Las Vegas called the Panama Express. Gotcha. Um, a car that he saw, and he said, oh, I, fast cars, I, I have to do it. I feel yep. like that, that yep. feels right. And uh, again, the sexual innuendo of, uh, you know, the metaphor for fast cars and fast girls is yeah. right up David's alley. It, 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 I'm a Dave. That's <laughs> what he go. does. 
Yeah. All right. This is a classic, obviously. This is my second favorite song on here and yours as well. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. It's classic. Absolutely. Good one. Another uh, kind of following the formula piece there. They have that whole interlude in the middle that uh, where David does his great kind of smooth talking in the middle. Yeah, which yeah. Which I love. Spoken um, vocals. Yeah. Right. And it has a different uh, musical uh, theme going on, and then it comes yeah. back into the, the rocking part at the end. Great tune. Absolutely. Great one. Definitely. And we t- you just talked about, actually, we talked about how Eddie Van Halen, fe- we talked about the Thriller album in the beginning, how it right. featured right. on... Beat it, and you had a you. What, what, what did you feel about that riff? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just my personal opinion. I, I don't like the solo he plays on Beat It that okay. much. Like everyone's made such a big deal about the fact that he was on that album, and it was a cool thing for Eddie Van Halen, I guess, because I remember hearing stories of kids that didn't listen to Van Halen, but they were huge Michael Jackson fans, and, and that, they were like, "Who is this guy, Eddie Van Halen, playing on Thriller?" You yeah, know? who is this guy? Yeah. So he kind of got known as the guy who played on Thriller by people who had no idea who Van Halen was. Yeah, but um. I think it's in his style, and it was cool a cool idea to have him on there. I just don't like the sound of the solo. Yeah. That he, the notes that he plays are just kind of, I don't like the solo that much. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it was it was just, it didn't fit. It just it, it didn't feel right yeah. in terms of the way the song was, too. For me, being an older guy and growing up in that Michael Jackson phenomenon, like I remember buying my copy of Thriller at Kmart in 1982. <laughs> How was that line? That had to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. to, out the door to try to even... So yeah. uh, hearing all those songs a million times, and we're off on a tangent about Michael Jackson, but um, I don't feel like Beat It has held up as well in history as some of the other songs on that album. It's mm-hmm. sort of, I don't know, I still hear it on the radio a lot and stuff, but it's not, for me, it's not one of the ones that rises to the top but yeah no i agree i agree but, with you uh so before we get to our favorite song on uh, this album we're going to do mm-hmm. a couple of honorable mentions of other songs that we uh really like on this album we were aligned on a couple of these too um deep cut and this uh next one we're going to play is notable on this album because it's one of the only songs and maybe the only song on the album except for the instrumental interlude 1984 mm-hmm. that opens the album that isn't about sexual innuendo which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it right Yes, it's you feel like every song you're like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. Yep. So to me, this is yeah. uh, this song's called Top Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, sort of like a uh, Van Halen modern update of like Johnny Be Good, right? It's the story yeah. of uh, them going to see a band in a club and seeing an incredible musician. I'm assuming it's a guitar player, but maybe it's some other instrument that he's playing. But yeah, Top Jimmy is the top guy, and he swings. And he swings. Basically, what we're we're hearing from this. Yeah, I know this is a great song and one that I, I we talked about honorable mention for sure and doesn't doesn't get enough credit, I feel like doesn't get enough love as it should. Yep. Another one. another awesome Eddie Van Halen uh, guitar lick on this one too. So um and we were just talking a little bit about some of uh Eddie Van Halen's guitar theatrics and gymnastics where he does that kind of stuff and there's a great part in this song that we'll hear coming up where Eddie and his brother Alex are like locked in on a guitar part, and Alex is playing Roto Toms in the middle yeah. of this, and it's just so tight, and uh, it's really fun. Jimmy, Jimmy swings. He's got the love. Jimmy. 
we were talking a little bit uh, during the break about uh, Van Halen and the um, you know synth mm-hmm. creeping in. And uh, the next song that we both had kind of on our honorable mentions list is another one of the singles from this album. This actually charted pretty high on Billboard, too. It made it into the top 20, I think. Yeah. Um, And we've uh, had some discussion here also about Eddie uh, or uh, David Lee Ross' vocal abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll make an argument that um, his vocals on this song are very accomplished. I agree. I think this is probably one of his better vocally technical songs on this album yeah yeah i thought he sounded like this particular song i was like okay i, I david david took this serious like he yep. wasn't you know yep. what i mean he was really going for it this song and this is definitely yeah. one of the synth based kind of tunes a little different from uh just the straight ahead guitar stuff yeah um so we're talking about i'll wait which is a great great song from this album great tune um and uh the synth part of it i think uh is interesting as you listen to it at the beginning it almost sounds like he's playing a synthesizer like through a distorted guitar amplifier every time mm-hmm. i hear it it's like a weird yeah. kind of synth sound um, but it's definitely an outlier compared to the, some of the other tracks in the album a little less of the rock thing but um yeah no it's a little different they, a little different style in this one totally in the same uh, vein lyrically yep they didn't cha- they went back to their formula they Just kept about the, the sexual in the undos and the yeah uh, Pinup girls and magazines. That's yep, what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, that's that's David. That's David's writing for sure. Van Halen here on uh, Epic Albums. We're uh, making our way through uh, 1984. We're getting close to um, talking about our favorite song yeah. on this album. Uh, I think everybody's favorite. Yeah, that universal favorite, without a doubt. Um, one thing to note about this album, um, we were just talking a little bit about "I'll Wait" and how it's uh, j- uh, "Jump" is a little bit the same way. It's a, the other song on the album that has a lot of synth, um, mm-hmm. but it's uh, feels a little bit more sort of like planned out and produced and controlled than the yeah. just crazy rock stuff. And yeah. uh, David's voice is a lot more controlled on that. He's um, No, he sounded of, great. Yeah. This song, he definitely absolutely sounded technical and much more controlled. It wasn't just David Lee Roth just yelling and doing his thing. He was definitely much more professional. Yeah, yeah. and even the uh, guitar solo I was pointing out as we were listening to it is like not as wild and crazy as no. some of the others. Um, I kind of like the way it sounds like Eddie's almost trying to imitate a synthesizer on the beginning of the solo. He mm-hmm. plays like these weird bending notes and stuff. Um, yeah. But it has a different sort of more controlled vibe to it, which I think is a nice counterpoint to some of what it, uh, the rest of the album is um, all about. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing to note with this album is it's short. It's only 33 minutes long. Short album. I, 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 when you look through it, you think like 33 minutes. I mean, there's you know, nine songs on it, I think, nine or ten. Is it Nine. Uh, yeah, nine. Nine, right? Nine, nine songs, including the, in, the minute-long Including the minute 1984 instrumental. instrumental yeah, that yeah. I feel like almost every album Van Halen had, they had an instrumental in there. Like, obviously, you think of, you know, Eruption for, you know, dive, deep, oh, I can't, I, what is it? Diver Down? Diver, Diver Down, down yes. Yeah. Like every time I think I Eruption might be on the first album. Is it? I think so. Okay, it might be on the first Van Halen album, yeah. but... Um, yeah, no, this, uh, this song, like we talked about, I love the beginning with the kind of... St- 
distilled almost kind of sound from the synthesizer coming from the uh, speaker we talked about. Yep, yep. Uh, just a great tune. Yeah. Great song, for sure. So before we jump in, um, I'm going to sh- throw in one more track. Okay. And um, I, I used to say that this I felt this album was very front-loaded. Like, I thought it was really good, and then up to a certain point, it kind of, like, dropped off for me. Um, but I've gained a new appreciation for the uh, last couple songs on this album. Um, and Girl Gone Bad. I want to listen to this right now because um, it's got another really good Eddie Van Halen guitar yeah, that, part. And we talked about it before when we, before we started the show. I said this one I really enjoyed listening to. Yeah. I liked yeah. it a lot. So. I do think it's a little bit weaker than some of the other tracks on the album. But I it, agree. It's got yes. some uh, great guitar uh, stuff in it. And again, it has like this interlude where it goes into this other musical theme in the middle of it mm-hmm. um but some great playing on it and uh lyrically this one is just about another uh, a girl who becomes a prostitute it sounds like yeah so essentially another, yeah another uh, very academic weighty theme yeah from, another uh, profound thing from, from yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, a poet look, one could say yes <laughs> Going bad. Alex Van Halen there closing that off with the that mm-hmm. little kick drum there. We were talking in, during the break a little bit about um, how good he is and yeah. how much he used roto toms on this album, which are the real high toms that you can like tune to different pitches. Mm-hmm. And um, then that song, I actually misspoke earlier when we were talking about Top Jimmy. I forgot that that part I was talking about was actually in Girl Gone Bad, where Eddie and Alex are playing this part together while he's playing the roto toms and Eddie's doing this like killer guitar like yeah. it's so tight and cool sounding I, that's one thing i really stands out to me about girl gone bad um so uh we should uh talk about our we usually try to hit our least favorite song on this mm-hmm. album i think um, we both agree on this one probably we actually have not talked about it up until I, now okay i have uh, well my my opinion i think the weakest song is probably house of pain i would agree um house of pain and it, because it's the last song uh, sometimes it I felt just, like a filler. It, it felt, felt like, like it they did. needed to just get one more in there. Okay, we'll do House of Pain. That'll fill out the album. Yeah, and for me personally, sometimes you know. I get to that point and I just skip it. I'm gonna be on. Yeah, no, like you reach a point in the album where you're like, okay, I've heard the good songs. It's time to yeah. yeah. So in preparation for our talk today, I listened to House of Pain several times because I feel like it's the song I'm least familiar with on the album because it never really stuck yeah. with me. Um, and it's interesting because it's not um, as formulaic as some of the other songs on here. It actually doesn't repeat parts at all. It's got like this opening yeah. part with a couple verses, and then it goes into this guitar interlude thing, and then it ends on this. It's probably the most different song from the album, I would say. That's probably why it doesn't fit the formula, so people are like, okay, we don't really love that one. Yeah, and if you read about it, it was actually a leftover song from one of the earlier albums, so that explains exactly why. It's like a different time. It was a song they just pulled in. I think it exactly what it was. It was a filler that they just threw on That's what it felt like to me when I listened to it. It feels that way. Yeah, yeah. Not a terrible song, but definitely my least Not terrible by any means, but I mean, not one of the top songs to yeah, listen to. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the subject of the song about, like, uh, you know, S&M or whatever they're talking about yeah, with House yeah, of Pain yeah. is, again... Uh, Once again, just what the hell is going on here? <laughs> what, what, you know, like, what do they smoke? What, what, what are we doing, guys? Yeah, Come yeah. on. So, uh, anyway, so uh, we haven't played the uh, 
big hit from this album, obviously. And yeah. uh, you and I tend to align on these things. So this is, uh, is my favorite song on the album, too. And there's probably a lot of Van Halen purists out there that are like nah, saying right now, if they're listening to us, like, oh, these guys just like the... The big the mainstream, oh, they're mainstream guy. Like, yeah. shut this up. song was a big hit for a reason. I mean, it's like beautifully produced. Um, yeah. It's got a great uh, melodic element to it. Uh, I think the lyrics on this also are like not as much of the sexual innuendo thing. It's no. more about like, hey, just take a chance. Take a chance. Uh, you might as well jump. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I love. Love the way Eddie sings it. Um, the arrangement on this song is probably the best on the album for me yeah. too. It's got. Um, the crazy thing about this song is if you listen to the way the drums kind of flow through the bridge when he's taking his solo, mm -hmm. it almost feels like it goes into a completely different time signature. It's like weird. It has like a weird feel to it. They flip it almost kind yeah, of. It's, it's different. Yeah. I doubt there's many other number one songs in the history of the Billboard charts that has that weird an interlude in it as this. There, yeah. there are probably some others, but this yeah. one stands out to me. But uh, certainly Jump is... Without a doubt. Amazing song and one of the great songs of the, the era. Definitely. And I'm just a couple things that I read about Jump is obviously reached number one in the U.S. Billboard Top 100. Um, without a doubt, we both probably agree. Probably Van Halen's best song, would you say? Would you say it's their best I, it's, song? I would say it's probably my favorite Van Halen song. What would you say is their best, though? I, that's a good question because we could get into the whole uh, okay. Hagar, uh, David Lee Roth debate and my knowledge of the Hagar years is lacking because I just don't like Sammy Hagar that much. Okay, that's understandable. So I couldn't really answer that question in a fair manner. I could just tell yeah. you what my favorites are as far as their best. I, I don't know. I, I have I have other Van Halen songs that I like okay. a lot, um, probably almost as much as Jump, and they're probably all on this album, the ones we've already yeah, talked about. Absolutely. And I love. I actually a lot of fans don't like Diver Down that much because we were talking about this also. It's it was a filler album that they just recorded real fast because the record company said, hey, we have this single out and you guys got to do another do album real yeah. fast. Yeah. So a lot of fans think that album's a throwaway. And I actually love some of the songs on that. There's, and the album was great. Yeah. It was a great album. Little Guitars um, on that is one of my favorite Van Halen songs. Yeah. But Jump is right up there. Yeah, they, they, they have Jump ranked 177 on the 500 greatest songs of all time list. Wow, that's pretty high. That Yeah, right. And they have yeah. it 15 on the greatest rock songs of the 1980s. So it's Rolling Stone probably that does those so, lists? Yeah, Rolling Stone did yep. the 170, 177th of the 500 greatest songs. And then VH1 did the, it was 15th on the greatest 100 yeah. songs of, greatest rock songs of the 1980s. The crazy thing about this song, there's two things that stood out for me when, re, you know, looking back at the you know history of this song is apparently the synth part was copied from Hall & Oates' um, my, uh, Kiss on My List. Yeah. Um, and I, I maybe not copy, but probably extremely similar. similar. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. and I never read they, that. That's interesting. And they uh, Hall and Oates said that they were fine with it. They were okay with it. Like that. That's cool that they got inspiration from our one of our songs to yeah. do yeah. that. Um, and this song was done like relatively fast. Like that's one thing I read. They like they Eddie and the engineer on this album was Don Landy. Mm -hmm. Don Landy. They you know they wrote they you know, they dropped the track in the middle of the night. David wrote the lyrics to the song that afternoon, and then they did the vocals and recorded it wow. that evening. That's like, cool. Right? Like, relatively, extremely fast and quick for a song, and yeah, it's wild. It's because amazing. It's one of the greatest rock songs. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. The last thing I'll say before this, before we get into it, is Eddie's guitar playing on this, because the synthesizer sort of takes a lead role, his guitar is sort of taking a more supporting role. It takes a back seat a little bit. 
but the stuff that he plays is just so perfect and beautiful and like supports what he's doing on the synth. It's very tasteful. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the end of the song and he starts doing that. Bam, 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 bam. He does this like beautiful guitar part at the end that just adds a little bit of extra drama to it. What he plays on this song on guitar is just superb. Yeah. So and the synthesizer, just one more thing, is called the Oberheim OBXA keyboard. Right. And right. that was what was used as the synthesizer for the song, the keyboard. And what would you could cons- I, I was looking at some. What would you consider this song to be? Would this be a pop rock song, like a, a pop synth song? I even saw somebody described it as. Yeah, I would say it's probably more on the pop rock side of right? things. It still feels like a little bit of Van Halen esque because it has that rock feel to it. And what Alex Van Halen's playing on drums is just like straight ahead, like rock drumming. Yeah. Um, but the synth adds. It certainly adds, an adds element a, like to a, it. a pop element to it. Absolutely. And it's melodic, and the way it's structured is very much like a pop song, except for that weird interlude in the middle, which yeah. is awesome, which really makes it unique. But yeah. yeah. No, this is, without a doubt, my favorite song by them, and a song that everybody has either heard in movies, commercials, yep. or at yep. a, a, you know, a venue at a sports game. I mean, you've definitely heard this song. Absolutely. It's fantastic. That never gets old. No, it does not. Yes. That was, it, to this day. Having a few years on you, I've heard that song literally hundreds of times, and I still never get tired of it. It's such no. a great, great tune. Awesome. I love it. Love so, it. So uh, another uh, episode of uh, Epic Albums is coming to a close here. 1984 yeah. was a fun one. Before we uh, wrap up, we have to kind of talk about where we rank this album in the canon of uh, Van Halen, and, and then where give we it a, rank it in yeah. our epic albums, and give it a so grade, far. kind of like a maybe we'll give it like out of ten or a letter grade or you know something like that to kind of give you know to give an identity to what this album was. Yeah, yeah. You so uh, where do you think this ranks in Van Halen albums? And uh, like I said, I, I don't feel like I can be objective with this because, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's okay. Van Halen albums in the Hagar era, then there's like the Van Halen album they did with the dude, the lead singer from that band Extreme, yes. like Van Halen 3. Yeah. I, I've never listened to that. No, me so. either. So I'm going to be honest with you, I can't speak to those albums at all, really. Yeah. I kind of get cut off at really around 5150. Yep. After yep. that, I kind of... I lose a little bit of, you know. So we'll just put this in the context of Van Halen that you're familiar with. The Van Halen that I'm familiar with, with, you know, David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar, you know, I think this is their best album, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, would agree. This is my favorite Van Halen album. Like, if I were to, if you were to sit, this is how I look at it. If you were to sit, you know, place all of the Van Halen albums from 79 to 80, you know, 86, which one would I want to listen to? I would grab 1984 first. Same, same. The first album comes close. It does, though. The, the first, the part one, 1979, has yeah, some great, great songs And on I there. like Diver Down a lot, but it's definitely not as good as this album. No, definitely so, not. Yeah. I would say this is the best Van Halen album that they have. I would agree. Without a doubt. So, uh, so far on Epic Albums, we've hit three albums so far. So if we do a lot of episodes of this, this list is going to become It's going to get out of cumbersome. hand. Cumbersome. So, yeah, it's going to get out of hand. At the beginning here, we're still good. So we had... Pet Sound. Our first episode was "Born to Run" by Bruce Springsteen, and then we listened to "Pet Sounds" by the Beach Boys, and now "1984" by Van Halen. So, where do those rank for you? 
Okay. So I think we're in agreement that Pet Sounds so far is the best album we've listened to. Right? Yeah, so I that's agree. one. And it hurts me to say that. No, it hurts. <laughs> no. I mean, phenomenal album, right? From top to bottom, cover to cover on this album. Fantastic, right? Then we get into Born to Run, my obviously personal favorite, Bruce Springsteen. Um, great album as well. A lot of good songs on it. I would say also another album, top to cover, all very good songs. Not yep. a lot of yep. weaknesses in that album. For me, I think Van Halen falls into that three category. I think it's just behind Born to Run uh, because I don't think I could say confidently top to bottom, all the songs are great. Yes, I would agree. Right. Like, I would also say that it's hard to compare the that's accomplishment about. of Pet Sounds to 1984. The lyrical content alone is sometimes yeah. silly, fun, enjoyable, sometimes maybe offensive, but... Yeah. Uh, it obviously doesn't. It's on a different level than what we're talking about. Even with Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, and then Pet Sounds is even yeah. sort of. And we we talked about a little bit how just by coincidence how different all three of these albums are <laughs> yes. in terms of yes. the sound, the lyrics, and how they were you know just done. And the bands, I mean, like you know the Beach Boys, California Surf Rock, right? Like fun, yep. rock, yeah. like family rock. And then you got Bruce, who was the common right, the common man. You know, wrote for the working class man, the blue right. Yeah, collar workers. Yep. Then you get to Van Halen, who was about partying girls and living life in the '80s, right? So three completely <laughs> different bands, different you know eras, yep. different styles, which is kind of awesome. We, yeah. You know, by yeah. coincidence, we were able to do that. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is a, like we talked about, great album. But I think it's I think it's three on this list. I, I, I think most people would agree with that. I don't think that's a crazy thing to. Yeah. So, so. far, we're in sync. At some point, we may shift a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Well, that that's that's a good thing though. We we we, we have a good time. We don't have <laughs> we do. You know, we don't raise our we voice. Do. You know, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a gentleman's you know gentleman's talk. We have not prepared our opinions in advance to try to align ourselves. This is just what happens to be that we uh, have very similar tastes. So which far, is good. So. That's, yeah. That's great. You know, yeah. It's what so. you want. Well, Mike, thanks again for being here on Epic Albums. Absolutely. Had a lot of fun. It was a good uh, one. It was a good one. We'll uh, be back with another episode soon, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time.